0: Uh, I'm going to speak to you directly uh, as we get started today. And this isn't meant, I uh, just want to be clear, we always want to be very cautious that we're not putting any expectations on anyone or trying to, to pressure anyone to do anything that they're not comfortable with. But I just, um, for all of us who are here, and for those of you guys who are at home, you know whether it's remembering back or, or in the moment you're in now, do we notice that there is an incredible technological Um, gift, I would say, for the church to be able to meet remotely, but do we also notice that it's just not the same? And those of you at home, do you, you know, again, it may not be the time for you to be here right now for a lot of different reasons, and we, we respect those reasons, we understand those reasons, but do you just see that it's, it is different? It's not quite the same, and I really think about some of you who might even be tuning into the service by yourself. Some of you, I know, you're with a parent or a child. Some of you are with uh, uh, a spouse, some of you with siblings but when you when you tune into a church service alone, there is a great blessing in that, but there 's also something that 's not quite there. Does that make sense does that do you resonate with that and so what we 're talking about today is just this uh, impact of a loving relationship on our walk with the Lord, and that we 're not just we 're not just uh, people who are trying to get information. So today, uh, you're going to hear the sermon that I'm about to preach, and that information will be helpful. But if you're not actually able to interact with that with someone else, then you miss a piece. You miss a piece of it. And so we're, we're talking about this thing, this, this great word, that um, this Hebrew word that we're using today called chesed. So if you want to practice that, I mean, I'd love to hear your attempts. It's this kind of guttural, like like you're about to hock and then you say chesed. Can we try that? Chesed. Chesed. Don't say chesed. Chesed. Right? Yes, I'm hearing some good chs over here. <laughs> And it's this Hebrew word that we often translate love, but it's such a broader, deeper, multifaceted term than just our English word for love. And if you're familiar with, if, I know a lot of you in here speak multiple languages, so you know that, that there's no one-to-one correlation for every word in every language. Some words, they need, they need a, an, a, an entire phrase to translate one word because we just don't have the word in English. Or vice versa. Sometimes, you know, I noticed that um, when we traveled a little bit, in some other countries, they would have English and then that language. Sometimes the other language has six more words in it in the sentence than the English language sentence does because we actually have a pretty terse language and, and, and we have some words that don't translate easily. And so, but it goes both directions. But this word chesed uh, can be described in a number of different ways and you'll actually see some word groupings, if you will, of ways that it's translated. So sometimes it's just translated love or mercy or grace, or compassion. Uh, it has this kind of range of meaning. And sometimes it's translated with an emphasis on its, on its uh, everlasting quality. So God, we sang today, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. That's from Lamentations. That's the word chesed, the steadfast love. So it could have just been translated, the love of the Lord never ceases. But, but there is an emphasis in chesed on this eternal long-standing quality and it's sometimes translated loyal love unfailing love right and that kind of brings a little bit more into the word for us gives us a little more insight into what we're talking about but then there's another kind of word grouping uh, that's used sometimes to translate it and uh, we it's something like covenant faithfulness or the theological phrase would just be covenant fidelity and fidelity just means faithfulness and it's this idea that god is fully committed to his promises to us that were made in love and so it's all wrapped up together and then if you've been reading along in the book with us the other half of church then you'll notice that the author used this common psychology term attachment and what he mentioned was that in our Modern psychology: the only thing that closely resembles this chesed is the phrase attachment, because we all have these deep and powerful bonds that we create with other people, and in some ways they just they cannot be broken. And you think about the people that you'd have a bond like that with: so your children or your parents. And it doesn't mean that that relationship can never get difficult, or the relationship can't even uh, in some ways have this great separation but even when you if you were to you know maybe some of you in here you know just left the relationship with one of your parents or maybe one of your children have broken a relationship with you you still carry that person in your heart sometimes with anger <laughs> so we're not saying that it always feels good but it's this deep kind of bond a deep kind of bond that that you really just can't break And all of these ideas, these words that we used to translate chesed, all of them appear in the language or in the term chesed. And actually, I learned something interesting this week. This word comes from another root word that really means the idea of going beyond the boundary. And so there are two times in the the Old Testament where the word chesed is used as a negative. So for example, if you... I'm gonna this is just scripture here, people. If you sleep with your father or mother's daughter as a guy, or your father or mother's son as a woman, that is chesed. So you understand what I'm saying here? But chesed means that you've crossed a boundary. It says don't do it. It's an abomination. It's it's not a good thing. But it uses that word chesed because it means that you've you've created this bond that goes beyond a boundary. But in the positive sense, what it means is this, is that this is the kind of love that nothing can stop. This is the kind of love that goes beyond expectations. This is the kind of love that that surpasses understanding. This is the kind of love that the mind can't fathom, we read in the New Testament. And so when we read again that passage in, in Lamentations 3, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. When you read that line with this idea of a love that crosses boundaries, a love that goes beyond the pale, a love, you know, we, we sing this song about the reckless love of God. A lot of people don't like that word used about God, but I think it very accurately describes this chesed concept of the love of God. It it doesn't consider its own uh, uh, potential for hurt and pain and failure, it just presses in and it's unrelenting. An unrelenting love. Now, so why do we talk about chesed? Because this is the phrase that we're kind of using to break us out of the temptation to just hear the word love and think, oh, it's the thing they were talking about on the pop song I heard yesterday. Or, oh, it's that thing that, that my spouse said was going to be forever, but it obviously wasn't. Or, oh, it's that thing that, you know, my friend, we were going to be life, you know, best friends forever, BFF, and then now the friendship's broken. So we don't want to confuse love with that. There's an aspect of love in all that, but when we use this type of love word, this type of language of chesed, of of everlasting love, of long-suffering love. You know, you think about what Paul speaks about in Romans, I mean, in, in 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind, it holds no record of wrong. He is describing this Old Testament kind of love. It endures, right? This is the kind of love that we're talking about. And when we talk about this kind of love, what, what I really want to bring out today is that this is the kind of love that continues to build our soil for growth and transformation. So we talked about one last week, joy. We're going to come back to that in a little bit. But this is the second ingredient in the soil that we need to be fertile and ready to yield the kind of fruit that God wants to yield in our lives. remember last week we said that God's intention for your life and for mine is that we would look like Jesus. That as we go through this life we would come out on the other side looking like the Son of God. And one of the ways that we do that is through this chesed, this loving attachment. And so these bonds that we create with God and with one another, the thing that, that in some ways has been so difficult over the last number of months, how long has it been now, seven months, something like that, that we've had to spend a lot of time separated, that little ache that you feel because of because of everything that's going on. Some of it is concern about a virus. Some of it is all the turmoil. Some of it's the politics. But some of it is that we've not been able to cultivate the type of connecting and relating that we've not only been used to, but that we've been designed to thrive in. And so if you found yourself off the last number of months, that's a big part of it. It's just a reality. And so... Again, you may not be here today, but you don't just get it here. It's not about a church service, right? It's about a relationship, a deep kind of community that that goes beyond any kind of programming that we could ever do here. And so he, when Hiselo mentioned, I'd never experienced this kind of support from a community before. It's about that. That didn't happen in church. You know, When when we talk about uh, these, the, the joy stories that we've been sharing about how God uh, is present with us, that's not necessarily in a service or in a program. Or when we come together and just experience the joy of celebration, you know, it goes so far beyond just what we do here in this room. But here's the thing. When you have that loving attachment, then it helps you grow. Starting from when you're a baby. It just helps you to grow in a healthy way. It helps you to create loving connections with people. It helps you to experience joy in your life. It helps you to be in a place of peace. But if you don't have that, you're still going to have bonds with people. They'll just be based on fear instead of on love. And in fact, uh, psychologists now have have identified that this attachment style, the way we attach and connect and, and relate to people is formed in our early years, and it has dramatic impact on, on our life. And so I uh, brought this book, The Life Model, which was written by one of the same authors as the other half of church. And he just has a chart in here, and he talks about love bonds and fear bonds. And so I just want to like, share a couple of things from this really quick, quickly. So love bonds are based on love. This is how you connect with someone in a way that's based on love. And it has this element of truth, of closeness, intimacy, joy, peace, perseverance, authentic giving. And so you can even think back to your own childhood. Was, was that what it was like in my home with my parents? Did I experience that joy, intimacy, uh, openness with one another? Or was there a different kind of connection that you had? So the fear bonds uh, have these elements of pain, of humiliation, desperation, shame, guilt, Fear of rejection, abandonment. And it has, it has some pretty negative consequences if that's what you experience. So, you know, you think about the, the kids who grow up in a family where, where the dad says, you're not going to amount to anything in this life. And they use that shame to try to get their kid to do what they want their kid to do instead of love to encourage them to do what they want them to do or what they need to do. You know, you think about uh, uh, maybe parents who are, since they're always fighting, they're always distant from one another and always distant from their kids. And there's not the kind of intimacy that you would want to see in a family. You know, they don't have fun together. You know, I heard, um, I heard a story recently uh, about a guy who, when he came home, he would never know if his, I think it was in the book, he never knew if his mom was going to be sober or drunk when he came home from school. You know, though there's still a bonding that happens, he's still deeply connected to his mom. It's just the bond isn't built on love. And it happens with the Lord. You know, some of us think God's out to get us. Or that he's always, um, you know, looking for what we're doing wrong. I remember someone sharing with me once, I don't ask the Lord for things I want because if I ask for it, then I probably won't get it. That mentality of, uh, you know, I'll just kind of stay, I'll stay out of sight, out of mind with God because I don't want too much of his attention. But these are real things, and it happens in churches, right? So when, when you, I, a lot of us have been in churches where you come in and it's kind of like, if you can do something for me, we'd love to have you here. If you can perform a certain way, if you can, and there's guilt trips, you know, You know, as the pastor, you're not doing what I want, so I'm going to use this sermon to guilt trip you into doing what I want you to do. Have you experienced anything like that in your life? You don't have to raise your hand. Hopefully it's not everyone in this room, because that would be really concerning. (laughs) But, you know, these these are the things. And yet, people don't leave those relationships very easily. Women often don't leave abusive relationships, because there's a bond there. They're afraid of what will happen if they leave. They're not excited to be in it. They're just afraid of leaving it. People don't leave churches that can be abusive like that. People have a hard time. You know, sometimes you need to separate from the family you grew up in for your own safety and sanity, and yet they feel a responsibility to care for that alcoholic mom, for example, for the rest of their life. Do you see how these bonds happen no matter what? But what God is saying and what God is doing is he's trying to create a bond with us that's built not on fear, but it's built on love. It's not built on shame, it's built on joy. It's not built on all these negative things, but it's all these positive things. And so, you know, he goes on to say that, you know, it's kind of the difference between I really want to be with you versus I'm, I'm trying to avoid negative uh, realities by leaving you. So if I leave you, I'm afraid of what's going to happen, so I stay. But that bond is still there because God... God designed us to have bonds. But what he wants for us is to have healthy bonds. And that's what chesed is all about. It's about a healthy, loving bond that is life-giving. And so I say all that, you know, this is kind of the heavy stuff, but I say all that because of this. When we talk about growing in love, and that love is necessary for growth, this is the kind of thing we're talking about. So we don't want to confuse it with either these counterfeit loves, or the things that are opposite of love. And you, and you might be thinking, hey, I've been connected to lots of people in my life and it's brought me nothing but trouble. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? You know, I think of the song by Paul Simon. I'm a rock, I'm an island. You know, I touch no one and no one touches me. He doesn't want to have a relationship with anyone because um, love causes pain, right? And that's the experience that, you know, at least in that song, but I think a lot of us, Sometimes we, our experience of love is that it brings pain. And of course the reality is, in a broken world, love does bring pain, doesn't it? There's no way around it. But here's what we can do, is that we can get back some of these missing ingredients that we ha- may not have had in our life. So last week we did talk about joy. And this week we're talking about chesed. These are the missing ingredients that we need for lasting transformation. And the Bible talks about these things constantly. So I don't know if you've had this experience, but as you start reading and thinking about joy and love, and as you read the scripture, you realize they're popping up everywhere, popping up all over the place. Sometimes you didn't even notice. And you know, sometimes we think like, oh, the Old Testament is the testament of laws and rules and and it's, you know, harsh. And the New Testament is is the testament of love and joy and all that. But you read the Old Testament, love and joy are everywhere. Everywhere. You know, And so joy, that ingredient that a lot of us have been missing in our life, that's what helps us build capacity so that we have the courage to face the challenge of growing. Because growing is not easy, is it? Growing is hard. And we talked about last week, you know, somewhat humorously, that if when you're a teenager, you know, your, your, your feet grow too fast and you're bumping into things. Your voice is changing. Sometimes your body get body aches, but also all the relational, emotional kind of hurricane that you experience as a teenager with the hormones and everything, and the relationships changing, and it's difficult work. It's very hard. So how do you get the courage? How do you muster up the courage to face that? Well, joy is the thing that helps us face that, and so that's why we've been doing this thirty day joy exercise, and hopefully you're taking part. But love is the thing, love is, the, is the, the element of the soil that really helps us to change. Because love is what moves us to experience that transformation and growth. And we see this in the scripture. Uh, we're going to look at a, a couple of passages in a moment. But what I want to do quickly is just, this was in our book, is to look at the way that we have approached growth primarily in the past. So in a lot of churches, and I'm I'm very much in the same boat on this, this is where I was, is that change was primarily seen as a function of people getting the truth and then being encouraged or challenged or somehow miraculously able to make good choices. And then, of course, if you had, hopefully, a somewhat rounded biblical perspective on the Lord, then you also needed the power of God. Right? Because it's not about we do it on our own. But the Holy Spirit infuses us with power and with the right information and the encouragement to make good choices and the power of God, then we could experience transformation. Is that kind of what you have experienced most of your life and as a Christian? Is that these are the things that you're told, if you have this, then you'll, you'll be able to change. And you know what? Sometimes you give these things to people and they radically change. Sometimes very quickly. Sometimes you give these things to people and it's like nothing happens. And the question would be why? And what we're learning is that all of this truth, choices, power of the Holy Spirit, they all have to be built on the foundation of this kind of this loving attachment, this chesed. And so if you're if you're one of those people, or if as a leader you're working with the type of person who doesn't have that joy foundation and that love foundation, you can give them all the truth in the world and you can challenge them to make good choices and and you can tell them that the Lord is with them and he's empowering them, but they may not change or they may change very little. And that's incredibly frustrating. It's incredibly frustrating when you're in that situation or when you're working with someone in that situation And the reason it's frustrating is that you have the expectation that this will work, and when it doesn't work, then you're disappointed. But what if we had the expectation that this could only work if we have that chesed foundation? Then we actually wouldn't get so frustrated. We would just start building love and joy into our lives or into the lives of the people that we work with. Do you see how that's different? because i think sometimes we 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 do these three things they don't work and we feel like either a god is not powerful enough or something specifically is wrong with us or maybe there is no god after all you know we come to this despair but when we have a better understanding of how this works then we can actually say oh i know what's missing i know what's going on here now we can work on it. And so that's really what, that's really what we want to do, is we want to work on building that love, building that deep connection. And again, it's not just about feeling love, it's about experiencing that type of deep, lasting, intimate community with God and with others, so that we are in the best place to be able to grow. And I think if, for a lot of us, if we find that we haven't been growing, we can probably think back to, some real lacks of those things in our life, either growing up or later on as adults, whatever you are, you can see how, oh, that really is a lack. There really is uh, a deficit there. So let's take a look at some scripture passages. This first one is from John 14, and we're going to spend some time in John 14 today. But if you have your NIV in John 14, verse 15, it says, If you love me, keep my commands. Now, what does that sound like? What what type of, any grammar nerds out there, what type of speech is that? Hmm? You've got an if then, when it says keep my commandments, what is that? That's an imperative, which is actually another command. So Jesus is giving a command, if you love me, keep my commands. And of course, we know Jesus wouldn't talk the way I'm about to, but you can almost imagine him saying, come on, guys. If you love me, just do what I told you to do. Why aren't you doing it? Don't you love me? You can almost like, he, like he's wh- almost whining. Of course, again, Jesus wouldn't do that. But you know, here's the thing. This is not a good translation of that, of that verse. And if you look at almost every other translation, by the way, this is how the King James translated it, which I think might be why the NIV did But almost every other translation does it like this. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. How is that different? Jesus isn't telling them what to do. Yeah, he's saying this is just reality. I know who loves me because I see who keeps my commandments. And I know who's going to keep my commandments because I know the ones who love me. And the first one if you love me, keep my commandments, doesn't really show the relationship between loving and keeping. You know, you could say, well, obviously, if you love Jesus, then you ought to keep his commandments. But that's not really what Jesus is saying. He's actually tying this together. If love comes first, transformation will follow. If we put love at the beginning, obedience will come at the end. And this is a profound truth of Scripture. That God is always initiating not just a relationship of obedience. He's first, primarily, always initiating a relationship of love. And when God initiates a relationship of love, then obedience can finally follow. But without that love coming first, the obedience can't happen. And part of it's like this. When you love someone, really love someone, deeply love someone, and especially when, you, when there's a, uh, that chesed kind of love, that that good, powerful, long-standing love, then you trust them. And you know that they are looking out for your best interests. And you have this sense that, you, you know, you could release yourself fully to the Lord and, and everything that he would choose for you would end up being good. And even the times when it starts to feel bad, you know that because he loves you that much, that eventually it's going to be good. You know, Beth was reading from Romans 8. Earlier in Romans 8, Paul says, um, All things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. That means that even when bad stuff happens, you can trust that God is going to work it out for good. You can only believe that if you really love him. Otherwise, you'll constantly be worried. Is he going to fail me this time? Can I trust him this time? Well, this looks pretty bad, so I don't know if I can count on God working it out for my good this time. You know, this is this is just the uh, natural reality is that without without uh, love, you could never really fully obey someone unless you only obey them out of fear. Right? That's the other option. I'm going to obey God because if I don't, something really bad is going to happen to me. And my friends, first of all, that is no way to live. But it's how a lot of Christians live. I imagine that a lot of us in this room have experienced that either at one time or maybe we experience it still today. I'm going to do the right thing because if I don't, I'll get caught and I'll be punished. But that's not the kind of relationship God desires. And don't get me wrong, uh, loving people do give consequences for poor behavior. It would be unloving for a parent not to discipline their child. It would be unloving uh, to not call people to account on certain things. But that's not your desire for how this should work and would work. The desire is to do it out out of love. And that's what God desires. And we see this play out in John 14 and John 15. So uh, if you haven't already, open your Bibles to John 14. And let's read that together. And see what Jesus says about about his love and the love of his disciples and obedience. And when you get home, or if you're at home, after the service, wherever you are, Uh, go back and read all of John 14 and all of John 15. We're just going to look at the second half of John 14 and the first half of John 15. But go back and read the whole thing and understand. begin to understand what Jesus is saying in the context of everything that's going on there. But here's what he says in John 14, verse 15. He says, "'If you love me,' and again we know, "'you will keep my commands. "'And I will ask the Father, "'and he will give you another advocate to help you "'and be with you forever.'" The spirit of truth. By the way, there's the power of God right there, the spirit. There's the truth that he's talking about right there. So we've already got love, truth, power, and transformation just in those three verses. So you're starting to see the equation, right? And I guess choices too, keep my command. So really all four of them are right there in those three verses. The world cannot accept him, the Holy Spirit, because it neither sees him, uh, nor knows him. Actually, I think he's referring to the Father there. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. So here's here's this. Um, he's gonna come back, right? He's gonna. We sang about this. He's coming back again. I will come to you. I will. I'm not going to abandon you. You won't be alone. We have this bond that can't be broken. And he even brings family into it. You're not going to be orphans. You're going to have family. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. That's really interesting language, isn't it? Jesus is in the Father. You are in Jesus, and Jesus is in you. How does that work? It's amazing. There's a whole lot we could say about that, but I'm going to press on. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. Right? Do you see the connection there? He's saying the evidence of you loving me is that you keep my commands. It's not, he's not saying you love me, so please, my friends, keep the commands. He's saying, well, it's... Proof that you love me Because you're doing this You've had, You have a transformed life You've made these different choices So you must love me That's the only explanation And the one who loves me Will be loved by my father And I too will love them And show myself to them And then Judas Not Judas Iscariot So not the one who betrays Jesus Says Lord Why do you intend to show yourself to us And not to the world And Jesus replied Anyone who loves me Will obey my teaching My father will love them and I will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teachings. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. So this Judas is asking, how come you're only revealing yourself to some of us? How come you're only, only some of us are going to be in your family? How come only some of us are not going to be left alone? And Jesus says, well, it's because that is only reserved for people who are in a love relationship with me and the Father. If we're family, you won't, we won't leave you alone. But if you're not a part of our family, then you're not a part of our family. If you don't love us, and we don't, if this love relationship's not there, if we're not bound to each other, if we don't have that deep uh, cohesion with one another, then when I leave for that person, I'm gone. And he's not being spiteful or vindictive. He's just, this is just what is. This is how love works, really. You know, if you're, when your kids move out of the house, you miss them when they're gone. But when your neighbor five houses down that you never spent time with moves, you just move on with life. It's no big deal. You don't love them. They don't love you. It's natural for them to just move on. All this I have spoken while with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all the things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. So this isn't a fear relationship. It's peaceful, it's loving, there's joy. You heard me say I'm going away, and I'm coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I've told you now before it happens, so that when it happens, you will believe. I will not say much more to you, For the prince of this world is coming. Who's that? The devil, Satan. Prince of the world is coming. He has no hold over me, but he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come now, let us leave. What is it the prince of the world does to prove, how is it that the prince of the world coming proves that Jesus loves the Father? Because he's literally about to kill Jesus and Jesus is willingly going to submit to the cross because of his love for the Father, his obedience to the Father, his love for us, all of this is to prove that Jesus is in God's love and he loves the Father. And, and really, the devil thinks that he's going to put Jesus in his place and he ends up signing his own, his own, you know, I'd say death warrant, but he won't die. He'll just be uh, punished for a very, 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 very long time. Now look at this connection language coming up in chapter fifteen. I am the true vine; my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that he do, that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. What is Jesus saying? He's saying there's some people connected to me right now that don't really love me. We're not really connected, and so my Father is going to cut those branches off and they'll be, they'll be done away with. But there are those who really are connected to me, and those he will prune. Last week we talked about deadheading flowers. And when you deadhead the flower, another flower grows. And so instead of having a dead-looking plant for the rest of the summer, you have flowers all summer. Jesus is saying, my Father is going to prune you so that you'll be even more fruitful. So the people who don't love the Lord, they get cut off the people who do love the lord still get cut but they get cut for their own good that's not necessarily a pleasant thought in the sense of you're still cut but it is a pleasant thought when you realize that you have more fruit this is transformation if you want to be transformed and we're we're going to talk for a whole a whole section of our study is going to be on the need for correction the need for pruning but he says, my father is going to prune you. You are already clean by the word prune and clean. It's the same word in the Greek, so it's a little pun here, a little play on words. He says, he will prune you, and you are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. He's like, I've already started pruning you just from what I'm teaching you. Remain in me, and I, and I will also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself for it must remain in the vine. Look, if you want to change, then you have to stay in this loving attachment with the Lord. You cannot do it on your own. And it's not just power. Power is a part of it. But it's this, Jesus is talking all about love and connectedness. Right? These loving bonds. He says, you... No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine, and neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withered. I don't know if you guys had any of the branches fall from the storms that we've had. There was the one this last week and a few weeks ago. But actually, where is it? Just out here there's a huge branch that fell off a tree in the storm that was what like a month ago maybe now and what's really fascinating is that those they're on a line so we can't do anything about it we're still waiting for verizon if you're watching verizon come get your tree off your line Um, but it's just in our it's in the yard over here and it's just totally dead so all the trees on the leaves are turning brown they're starting to die but these are just dried out bone dried dead branches because they've been cut off from the tree so they don't have any resource they don't have any life there's no vitality because they've been separated that's what it's like for us if we're cut away if we don't abide in christ that's what will happen we will dry up and we will die have you experienced life like that as a believer you don't have to raise your hand but I've had periods where I felt like those dried up branches because I wasn't abiding in Christ. I wasn't connected to him or to others the way that I was invited to. He said, such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. I literally have been picking up pieces of those branches and burning them in our fire pit. We just want to get rid of them. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit showing yourselves to be my disciples. Let's go a little bit further. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. What is the fruit of love? More love. Whenever you put love into a system, you get love back. Love is one of the few things in the world that the more you put in, the more you get out. It multiplies. It increases. You don't use it up. No one's ever loved too much. Contrary to some of those pop ballads, (laughs) no one has ever loved too much. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commands and I remain in His love. Again, that relationship. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. I love how God figured out these things about how our brains work before we did. It's almost like he made them and knew how they were supposed to work and thrive. Oh, wait. it's exactly what happened. My command is this. Love one another as I have loved you. So Jesus models love so that we can then imitate his love for others. It's not just about loving God, it's also about loving others. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. You know, this, this reality that Jesus describes, this possible reality that Jesus describes, where where he is the vine and we are the branches and we're connected to him and we abide in him and he is in us and we are in him and he is in the Father and the Holy Spirit is in us and there, it's just almost like um, the best possible, the best imaginable kind of group of friends that you could ever have where everyone's so connected to one another, they love each other so much that it's just almost like uh, it's, you don't have to figure out you know, who's your best friend or who's, who do you want to spend the most? You just want to be with all of them all the time. And it's not just that feeling. Remember, it also comes with this incredible commitment of being family, this covenantal uh, commitment to one another for all eternity. When you imagine that kind of circumstance and you imagine that kind of life in the Lord, how does it make you feel? Joyful? does anyone feel excited about that does it create in you a longing for something that you don't have now is anyone thinking oh I wouldn't want that some people that happens because you think oh it must be like this other thing that I've experienced that wasn't really all that good yeah, it's this very different type of reality that Jesus is describing. Because if we don't have that, what we end up with is this very low chesed, low love, low attachment, low connection. You know, in the book of Revelation, Jesus, through the Apostle John, is writing to the church of Ephesus. He says, I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. And you read that far and you think, these guys are awesome. These guys are great. They've got, you know, they've got good doctrine. They've got good practices. They've got uh, discernment. Fantastic church. Very next verses. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place, meaning that you'll no longer be a church of Jesus Christ. You know, what Jesus is saying is that love is more important than getting all these other things right, which is the same thing that Paul says, you know. I could fathom all wisdom and knowledge, but without love, I'm like a clanging cymbal. I could speak in the tongues of men and angels, but without love, uh, I forget how he finishes that one, but you know, with, he's nothing. He says, I could, I, could be, I could give my life for everyone. I could b- be burned in the fire for the, for the Lord, but without love, I'm nothing. You know, love is the foundation of everything, and love is not just some sentimental feeling it is a deep abiding relationship connection intimacy commitment faithfulness um, you know, it goes far beyond just a feeling but hopefully you get the feelings too makes it really enjoyable and a lot more a lot easier and a lot more fun too you know we read in the book of john but in first john john is writing to the church and he says Whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother is a sister or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. He said it's not just love for God, it's love for others too. How do we know you love God? Well, you love your brother and sister. But then in the next chapter he says this is how we know that we love the children of God. This is how we know we love one another. By loving God and carrying out his commands. So how do we know we love God? We love one another. How do we know we love one another? We love God. They're inseparable. They're they're you can't you can't have one without the other. And I get sometimes people who are frustrated with the church and they're they maybe hurt by the church and they're angry at the church and they say, I'm just gonna have a relationship with Jesus. Jesus says, You can't do it. He says doesn't work. impossible and there are tons of people who come to church and they've got these relationships at church but they have no relationship with the lord he says no it doesn't work you got to have both you've got to have the full package or you aren't really living in love you really aren't and so we can be in these uh, kind of low chesed realities or low chesed communities so for example i mentioned earlier you come to church If you're useful, you're welcome. If you're useless, you know, come or go, we don't care. And I think we've all seen it. You know, I will say this. I talked about the church I grew up in, and that church was a large church. It was a big church, you know, thousands of people. And there are a lot of things about that church. Looking back, I can say, that wasn't good, that wasn't good, that wasn't good. But here's one thing that that church got right we used to joke that we were and and this was all all in love and you know not not in any kind of mean-spirited way at all but we were a church of misfits i would literally go visit programs or events at other churches and everyone there had to be kind of dressed cool and sharp and this and that and it was very clear that if you didn't fit in the mold you would be ignored And it was the same. I saw it in leadership. I saw it in the people who attended. There was just this vibe that we're cool. And they wanted to be cool. And they wanted to present as cool to attract people. But what that meant was, if you weren't cool, kind of like, eh. Our church was not cool. (laughs) We were not cool. I mean, I went there, right? (laughs) So you already know. If there was a place for me there, but we weren't hip, we, weren't. we didn't have the right clothes necessarily. I, and just to kind of like be really blunt about it, um, we had kids, our, kids in our youth group or in our college group or in our church that had not fit in anywhere else because of various reasons. Sometimes they had physical deformities, deformities um, Down syndrome. Um, they were antisocial or just had no clue how to be social. And they found a home with us. And they would describe, oh, I went there and I went there and I went there, but there was no place for me. But I found a place here. And that's that's because we actually just enjoyed each other. It wasn't about what we could get from one another. I think that was one thing that we had going pretty good. Uh, Now, of course, in a big church like that, not everyone's experiencing that. Only certain people were. But I know the group I was in, we were. Now, it doesn't just have to look transactional. sometimes it gets just, oh, we're cordial. we're friendly with one another. But there's no deep intimacy. you can go you can go years in a friendship with someone and never talk about anything real if you don't want to. You know, love talking about sports, love talking about the weather, love talking about whatever it is. but don't don't actually. Talk to me about something you're struggling with. Don't talk to me about your weaknesses. And certainly don't talk to me about mine. Because I have no interest in doing that with you. Who are you? You're just some guy at church. You know, this is so easy for this to happen. So what we have to do is we actually need to intentionally build this kind of love in our community. And hopefully... Even if you're not in a group, hopefully you've gotten the book. If you haven't gotten the book, the other half of church, we can help you get a hold of it. There are actual exercises you can do to build love in the relationships that you're in, to build this connection in the relationships you're in. So for example, in our small group this week, um, and uh, just by the way, Beth mentioned, uh, this is the, for most of us, this chapter four is the one that we did last week. So this week you'll be in chapter five. But uh, there was an exercise that we did in our group where we actually shared our weaknesses with one another. We chose weaknesses. Character weaknesses, physical weaknesses, uh, relational weaknesses, each one of each. And we shared them. And we didn't correct one another. We didn't give advice to one another. We just received one another in the Lord. So you can actually practice doing that. But here's the thing, you can never practice building love by yourself. It is literally impossible. You cannot practice showing your weakness to someone by yourself. And I would suggest that if you only feel that you can do that with the Lord, then you're missing half of the way God designed this to work, according to God's own testimony. So you can 't just say well i 'm just going to do this with God, you need to do it with God, and you need to do it with others, or you will not be able to build this kind of soil and you won 't grow." So we need to take time and have an intentional um, intentionality to building love in the community. You know even today, when we shared these stories, uh, that that helps us to build connection with one another and you know and it, this isn 't to put one above another, but I was particularly moved hisela your story that what you shared was a vulnerable story and it made me feel compassion and care and love for you and your family that you know quite frankly i wasn't feeling two minutes earlier just because i wasn't thinking about it but when you share like that it draws people out and into this deeper connection and intimacy but you need to be intentional about that we could have not taken time to do that today that would have been so easy We played this great song, and Michelle, please come share announcements. We could have done that, but we stop, and we do something different. Um, Imitation, imitating those who live in love. Jesus says, as I have loved you, so you love one another. Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. You know, we're constantly encouraged in the Scripture to follow the example of people who are already doing these things. But how can you do that if you're not with them? And you can't, you can't really experience seeing those types of modeling in a church service. So this is not something that can really even happen on Sunday morning. It has to happen other times in your life. So if you're not connected to believers who are a little further down the road, spiritually, relationally, their maturity, if you're not connected with them, you won't see these realities in your life. So you won't have anything to imitate. Now, one of the things that we have resisted at this church, and it was brought up in our book, is that we try our best not to build groups around um, common age or common life circumstances. We actually want to mix people of different ages together. And I remember the very first small group I was in with adults. So this was when I was 18 years old or 19 years old. For the very first time, I was put in a small group with adults. There were two ladies in the small group that were the age of my grandmother. There were were two couples in that small group that were about five years older than me, and there was one other couple that was the age of my parents. And I will say that that was the best small group I was ever in. And part of it was because we spanned from 18 to 80-something in that group And we got to experience the energy and the the um, wisdom and the perspective of lots of different people, people in lots of different life circumstances. And I grew a lot in that group. But what most of my friends did is they joined a group with all teenagers and early twenties, and they missed out. And I thought we don't want to do that here. So we need to be in relationship with people who are in different places in life. We share joy with one another. You know, the, the question this morning was, who has, who has some you know, blessing that God has done in your life that you want to share? We're sharing joy stories. But then when these intimate things come up and it creates an opportunity for connecting and bonding and caring and loving and you know, all of this good stuff. But in, in an I- ideal world, we would, we would be you know going downstairs after this and eating a meal together, enjoying some laughs and, and bonding together over food. Unfortunately, we can't do that as much right now. But you can do it in your home. You know, you you are allowed to have someone over to your house. You have to figure out who that's going to be and how it's going to work. and You know, you can even do it outside for a few more weeks. But don't miss out on the opportunity to connect with other believers intentionally um, just because of a virus. Don't. You're going to miss out. And then the the last thing on my list here is that we would actually bear each other's pain, weaknesses, and failures. That means being willing to share your own and then also having the, the, the love foundation that allows you to bear someone else's as well. Both of those things are really hard and they both take practice. That's why we practice it in our small group. So, you know, just in closing, if we want to grow in Christ, and I hope that you do, if you want to experience the fullness of being in his family, being part of the body of Christ, the, the church, the family of God, and I hope that you do, if these are things you desire, then you need to build deep, intimate, relational bonds with Jesus and with one another. Because if you don't, you will be stuck. You will be hindered. You will be limited. There's going to be a ceiling that's going to come because you don't have that Soil, that rich soil that allows you to move beyond where you are to where you want to be. And it does include things like obedience. But it's not only about obedience. That's just one aspect of transformation. But I will tell you this. I can speak from experience on both sides of this. When you don't grow in obedience, you, you experience increasing uh, pain, shame, hardship, relational turmoil xyz when you do live in more obedience you experience more joy more gratitude you know uh relational calm and and flourishing these things come from obedience so if all that jesus did for you by building love in your life was he made you more obedient then you would be you'd be so grateful (laughs) just from that alone but it's so much more because as you build that love, you'll build that joy. As you build those things, you, build, you experience the peace of God, the joy of God, the love of God. You will be a happier person. You'll flourish in so many different ways. And uh, we'll all delight together in what God is doing in your life and what he's doing in my life as we grow in this together. So let me pray for us. And then uh, we're going to close with a song. Lord God, our, our heart... Our heart is to not remain where we are, either because we see what's available to us and the joy of that draws us, or because we're kind of experiencing the pain of not growing and we want to get away from it. And maybe both, we experience both right now in this moment at the same time. But God, help us, help us to have the, the kind of foundation that we need. And Lord, we know that you are Absolutely communicating to us and pouring out your great love, your great chesed love that is that is faithful, it is true, it is good. You have that invitation out there to come and have that type of, of bond with you and with others. And so we know that you're not holding us back. But God, we sometimes hold ourselves back because we're afraid of having that type of deep intimacy. We're afraid of being vulnerable in front of someone else. We're we're afraid of how they might use it against us. Sometimes we're maybe even afraid of how you would use it against us, even though you obviously know everything about us. Sometimes we just can't bear the weight of our own pain, so we want to ignore it. Sometimes we can't bear the weight of someone else's pain because we think it might crush us when it's added to our own But, God, help us to believe and to trust and to know that you will be with us in this process. That you have not and will not abandon us. That because you love us with this everlasting love, because your love is long suffering, because it endures forever and ever, Lord, because you're like that, help us to step in to this scary and intimidating process. Of having the kind of community that you designed us to live in. And not to settle for a transactional community or a cordial community. nor not to settle for just avoiding the pain of loving. But to actually step into the great joy of knowing and being known. The great joy of loving and being loved. the flourishing that comes when a people united in Christ Jesus seek you with a desperation that allows nothing to stand in its way and they do it together that chesed that crosses all boundaries that we would have that kind of reckless love that we wouldn't give up until we find what it is that you've promised us Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, church, I'm going to invite.